Welcome to the Crossing Church Weekly Sermon Podcast. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit our website at thecrossing.cc. Good morning. Good to see all of you here today. And uh, again, I think you understand when we're dedicating children to the Lord, we're also raising future Dallas Cowboy fans. That's kind of what we do here, yeah. That's, the, that's about the response I thought I'd get here. We got Patriots fans here. See, that shows that the Lord, the Lord is gracious. See? Anyway, great to have all of y'all here this morning. And uh, Mother's Happy Mother's Day to all of you. I want to let you know we are going to continue with our series next week, Frequently Asked Questions. And the most often asked question that we received from that uh, survey that we did was, you know, how, you know, what about homosexuality and transgenderism and all the sexual identity things here? The church has been pretty harsh on them in the past. What, what does God's Word say about these struggles, or are they struggles? Are they normal? Are they abnormal? What are they? And so uh, I want to let you know, next week we're going to tackle that. And so if you're here and that's a personal struggle for you, please be here uh, uh, there, there is no sin bigger than another one. There's no isolated group that's just, we all sin differently, but we all have sin issues. And so please be here. Uh, and as well, like everybody to, to come who asked that question, everybody just to be here because we need to get a little bit better at, at both handling and loving and speaking about a topic that's been uncomfortable for quite some time. And the Bible has a lot to say about it and uh, the grace of Jesus, and I'll go ahead and give you some, some upfront. There is no sin that's any competitor for the blood of Jesus. And so it doesn't matter how or what you do or have done or you struggle with, uh, it's no match for the blood of Jesus, and that's what we count on. So look forward to seeing you. I wanna jump right into this because I know some of you have early lunch reservations with your mamas, and, uh, and I think we have one early as well. So uh, I'm not being selfish here, I'm just gonna... I'm gonna, one of your gifts from me today will be a short message. Is that okay? <laughs> Bible says that we are to honor our fathers and mothers and that the Lord would make our days long when we honor. And so today we are uh, doing exactly that with all the precious moms that are, that are here. And I wanna start by just letting you know that throughout this week I, I sat and talked with moms because here's what I know, and you might wanna jot this down, all you note takers. I am not a mom. And so for me to sit up here and in any way try to advise you on how to be mother other than the Word of God and from listening to folks who actually do it would be foolish of me. And so I want you to know I approach with caution uh, the, the topic because more than anything, I just want you to be honored and I want you to be recognized. I talked with moms who are in their 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, and, and one in, in her 80s, my own mom. And by the way, I just want to let you know uh, this is a, a tricky topic for me because my mom, she, my mom would make a pro, she was a Proverbs 32 woman. She would make a Proverbs 31 woman look like a slacker. I mean, if you know what any of that means, read Proverbs 31. It's this perfect woman who does up. My, I'm seriously, my mom would have been the ones that created envy in Proverbs 31 women. They'd have probably become like a, a Proverbs 30, 20, 28 woman and have to work their way back up out of just envy. My mom was up at four in the morning, every morning, cooked us a full breakfast. I mean, I'm not talking a cereal and milk. I'm talking biscuits and eggs and meat, and she put it out there. She put on dinner for the night. Amen, huh, Reggie? 
She put on dinner for the same night, went and walked, worked a full day at Sam Houston, washed our clothes, ironed them. My mom, now this, y'all remember back in the 70s when leisure suits were what you strutted out there? My mom made my leisure suits. That's something else in the 70s, I'm just telling you. I never could stand on those big heels, but I had some leisure suits. Uh, but thank God that era is over. But anyway, I'll just tell you, I'm, I'm so thankful for my precious mom. She's 83 years old, and, and uh, she drives an hour and 40 minutes uh, to get here on uh, Sunday mornings. And I tell her, look, if the weather's weird or whatever, you just don't come. And so anyway, so I say all that just to say I, I honor my own mom and uh, very grateful for her. And at the same time, while I'm saying those things, I, you know, I can tell guilt can rise in the room, and that's really what we want to lift uh, out, of, out of the room today is, is guilt. Talking to all of these moms, though, uh, just a couple of things I learned. This message is called The Battle of Motherhood. And uh, so I just want to tell you what I, what I learned. And the first thing that I learned is that moms absolutely are underappreciated and underrespected for what it is that you do. I, I don't think it's possible. I don't think it's possible for your children to ever fully appreciate what it is that you sacrifice uh, I mean, moms love in a way, and the only way I could figure out how to write it was love pain. I mean, you love, it hurts the way you love. You, you, you hurt you love them so much. And uh, when a child hurts, you hurt more than the child for the situation. And when a child is wanting to progress, you want them to progress more than the child actually wants them. And it's a very God-like characteristic and it is unique to moms. Dads have a certain thing, and I can talk about dads because I are one, but moms have a certain strong, and it, it, it's, it's throughout the animal kingdom that you see this. I was, seriously, I was watching uh, a, a thing on Yellowstone Park yesterday, and they were showing these buffalo, these buffalo moms trying to get their little calves across this stream, and you know, I'm sitting there with a you know, box of tissues going, because <laughs> these, these big old, ugly, stinky buffalo would, you know, watch, they were watching their babies try to swim with all their might. And when they got them across the, the screen, they were, they were licking them and doing all of this stuff. I saw a mama bear with three cubs do pretty much the same. And you just, you can see this all through the animal kingdom and y'all aren't animals, but uh, I will tell you, God has built it into the instinct of a mom and it's, it is the most powerful thing on this planet. Second to the Holy Spirit himself. I really believe that. And so, uh, but here's, here's what I also know is that, uh, if a guy like me tries to come in here and talk about something that I really can't connect to because I'm not one, it'll insult you. And, I, and we, I, I know what it's like as being pastor. I know what it's like for somebody to come into my world who's never done what I do and tell me how to do it. And I've learned to be gracious over the years, but there's always a little twinge of insult like, do you know any guy? Anyway, uh, so uh, Stacy and I, I tell this, uh, uh, this is my 20th Mother's Day message. And I probably have told this story every single time because I enjoy telling it every single time. So next year when you come, go ahead and put it on your list. It's gonna show up again. Uh, when Stacy and I had our first one, uh, Tyler, we, we tried to do it by the books as best we could. I mean, we actually failed the little... Do they still have Lamaze classes? I don't even know if they still do that. But anyway, they teach you how to breathe and how to do others. We failed our Lamaze class because we, you know, they were going... <gasps> they, were, they were teaching all these breathings and everybody else was being all serious. And we, we were laughing so hard, they kicked us out of the class because we were like, are you serious? Well, we have, our first, we have our first child, and we're trying to go by the book and figure out how to, what to do with this creature. And we had a neighbor who wasn't yet a mother, but she was full of advice. And uh, so she came over to offer 
her advice on what it was she knew nothing about. And of course, anytime you're sitting in the stands talking about the quarterback, you get to make the call after the play. And of course, it's always right. And uh, some people just don't have the maturity to realize that what you're seeing is about 10% of the whole picture, and it would be ignorant to speak at this moment. Some people just don't know. Well, so she would come over and she would advise us. And I remember one of the sentences she would say to us is, he does it because you allow him to do it. Like, uh, yeah, with a six-month-old, what are you, I mean, he's going to cry when he's going to cry. He's going to fill that diaper up when he, what do you mean he, uh, you allow him to do it? I was like, what on earth? So anyway, uh, we were gracious. Uh, Stacy wanted to burn their house down, but we, we didn't. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's insulting, but the Lord answered our prayers, and uh, she got pregnant. She had a child. He, he my God. He was possessed. He, <laughs> he had a legion of devils in him. And it was, um, she would come over to the house and uh, her hair would be going every direction and her lipstick would be over here. And she'd have him, you know, barely on the hip. And she'd have that look like I hadn't slept in eight days. And she had, you know, uh, just bloodshot eyes. And that, just, it was fantastic when she would, <laughs> when she would come. And uh, I think that, that child gave them heck for, I don't know, years and years and years. And uh, anyway, so there's a good, there's another praise report for us this morning. Just want you know. Uh, so, but anyway, mom, I just, I want you to know, as I approach this, I might get intense at a moment or two, but I, I by no means am here to advise you from somebody. You, you, here's, here's, you are the expert on your child and there's no one better for, for your child than you. And no matter how much guilt and struggle that you feel over, you know, taking care of your child, you love them so much, you want to get it right. And, uh, but you, please, I, if, it, if you pick up, who do you think you are? You, you'd be correct, and I'll back up. But just want you to know, with great respect, uh, do we approach and understand you, you are the pros, you are the experts, and we are so thankful for you moms doing what you do. One of the things that I learned, and this would be second point here, one of the things that I learned was that moms battle guilt and regret. It's called the battle of motherhood, guilt and regret. Man, I heard it from 20-somethings, 30-somethings, 40-somethings. Uh, regret, regret, I wish I would have, I wish I could have. And guilt is really just that sense of I I'm not doing this well. Uh, I'm coming up short. Uh, and, uh, and so I, I want to help you a little bit with that, again, with great respect. Uh, comparison guilt was very loud in our, our talks and a lot of our, our, our younger moms. And by the way, these, these young women and, and the, the women that I, I talk to, they're just brilliant, godly, powerful people. And um, so in the conversation, though, with some of these younger moms, they were saying, you know, we feel guilty because we go on Pinterest and on Facebook or, you know, cat chat or whatever, whatever the latest, you know, ways of doing it, all basically the same thing. It's, it's a way to you know, put pictures, manufactured, extremely edited uh, information through media. And, and I, I said, well, you know all those pictures that, men that's the best four seconds of their last three years right there. I mean, they just happened to capture, you know, some skinny, uh, you know, woman with her hair perfect and, you know, baby on the hip, and he's all perfectly dressed and smiling and, and four other little munchkins, you know, all perfectly dressed and all of that. And I said, you, you know that that's manufactured, and, and here's what they know. Intellectually, yes, but emotionally, still, still a pressure. It, it's so big and loud in our society, and uh, you know, while, you're, while you're looking through you know, your, 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 your window at 
perfect mom who, you know, it's got a little caption that says, just made, you know, four lunches with, uh, you know, uh, you know, free-range chicken uh, for my children in an eco-friendly uh, bowl, and uh, we, you know, took our children to not vaccinate them, uh, whatever, whatever the, you know, they're... I'm probably getting in trouble for that one, but uh, you moms, if not vaccinating is your thing, you're the mom. You get to make that call, so I'll, I'll, I'll back up. I knew I was going to get in trouble. But while you're looking at that and looking at these, this, you know, Miss Perfect up there with her four perfect little children, you look over at your child who's eating Alpo out of the dog's bowl and wonder, you know, what's wrong with me? And <laughs> you need to know, uh, let me read you a scripture, but you need to know as soon as that camera leaves, they'll be eating Alpo too, you know. Uh, yeah, just, this is universal, but just take it. Uh, I promise you, the same smell that comes out of your child's diaper is in theirs. You know, you go in their room right now where the camera isn't rolling and it looks like a bomb blew up, just like your house. And uh, it, it's a bunch of nonsense, the pressure. But the scripture teaches us this, 2 Corinthians 10, 12. This is Paul talking and uh, some ministers had come into the, to the land of Corinth and to the church of Corinth to to say, hey, we're better ministers than them. We do this, they don't do that. And it sounds just like, you know, 20th, 21st century church competition, you know, stupidity. But uh, Paul is writing the, the, the people at Corinth a letter to say, look, we're not running a race against those other ministers. In fact, that's not even an intelligent way to live. We're just running against what God's called us to do. So let me read it to you. Paul to the Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 10, 12 says, oh, don't worry, you Corinthians. We wouldn't dare say that we're as wonderful as these other men who tell you how important they are. But they are only comparing themselves with each other, using themselves as the standard of measurement. How ignorant. And that's the Bible. How ignorant. And I say that because uh, it, it is a strong and powerful and very loud sound in our culture. It's a real pressure, and it's been here for a while, and it just keeps getting louder and louder, again, because of all the technology and the, the ability to edit an image and to begin to impose that, there's some, there, that that's actually reality. Because uh, all that's going on, you can start to try to run your race against the mom next door. And here's what, what Paul is teaching us. He said, uh, we don't we don't try to impose ourselves outside of our sphere. What, what does he mean by our sphere, our circle of influence? He's saying, look, you've got a call of God on your life, and I do as well, and it may not look like anything to do. I mean, comparing yourself with the person next to you, that's not your concern. Our race is, again, what has God called me to do and me to be? Who's he called my children to become? As Reggie read earlier, raise your children in the way that they should go. The real attention comes to this, is that our kids have been shaped by God, and there's a purpose and a call on their life, and it's not like any of the other kids running around anywhere, anywhere on Pinterest, Facebook, and again, wherever. They're yours, and Paul's saying, don't compare yourself and how you mother with the one next to you. Yes, we can glean generally from one another, and we can be inspired by one another, but nobody's sphere is like yours. In other words, your little world that you're called to call the, call the will of God out, only you can understand and know that. And so comparing will, will distract you from what God's really calls you to do. Listen, you're the expert on your sphere. 
Nobody can really be the expert. You're the expert. You can do this. You're made for this. And so we celebrate that. And uh, this comparison guilt, I think it's gonna be with us probably forever. And it's just gonna be a matter of getting better at pushing back at it and putting it down when that rises up. Because there's always gonna be pretty pictures of pretty families that are gonna come up on our picture. Y'all tracking with me? Uh, so, number three, what I call the woulda, shoulda, coulda guilt. Uh, just a lot of, uh, and this was from some of my uh, more senior moms that were looking back over their shoulder and saying, you know, I'm not sure I should have gone back to work. Maybe I should have stayed with them. And uh, there's a whole lot of, you know, I, I wish I would have, wouldn't have put them in daycare. I wish I would have been able to redo that. And I think as, as long as your mom and you love the way God's put it in you to love, you're gonna always be able to look back over your shoulder and find something that if you could do it again, and this would be for a man, or what, it doesn't matter, this is for all of us. There's not any person in here who can't look back over your shoulder and go, man, if I had that one to do again, I'd do it differently. And, uh, and, and, and it's real, uh, and if you, if you let it, it'll take you down a stream and kinda keep you there a long time. Uh, my encouragement would be this, feel it, move past it quick, I wanna give you a scripture and I know if you hear somebody say, just get over it, I know that can be insulting. That's not what I'm saying. Uh, I, I am saying get over it, <laughs> but, but I'm, I'm not saying like that ought to be easy. I'm saying you've got today and you've got tomorrow to plan. What's behind you is done. And so the less energy you can spend looking back and wishing you would have, the more energy you have to put into right now because you can't affect yesterday, but you can affect right now. And, and that's all of us. And so uh, this is really the theme scripture and this is probably the, I probably get more out of the scripture and y'all hear it almost every week, so you're back. So I'm gonna say it to you again. But Philippians 3.12, Paul speaking. This is Paul who after 30 years of walking with Christ, 30 years, he's seen Jesus. He's uh, had a miracle with Jesus. He's been knocked on his keister by Jesus. And he's gone to the third heaven, wherever that is. He's been uh, put in prison and he's built churches and he's written the Bible. I mean, this, if you want, this is a stud, if you will, a guy that's getting the job done. And he says to us, after all that I've accomplished, all I know, he's just taught something. And uh, what he's taught, he's painted a picture of something we're all to be. But then he backs up and he says this, the fact that I can describe the target doesn't mean that I've arrived there. And that's with all teaching. I can teach far beyond what I can practice, but that's our target. And he says it this way, I don't mean to say, verse 12 of Philippians 3, I don't mean to say that I've already achieved these things or that I've already reached perfection. Everybody say perfection. perfection. I hadn't reached perfection. But I press on to, to possess that perfection, and a better word would be maturity, for which Christ first possessed me. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting. Everybody say forgetting. forgetting. Forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on forward to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us my sensitivities were roused because I know how the devil, I know how the devil works. He's a sorry son of a gun, and that's about the nicest thing I could say. And he, he traffics in thought, and he can take your past mistakes, 
and put messages in them that defeat your future. Right, you can still, you, we've made mistakes in our past and every once in a while we're gonna visit those or they're gonna visit us and we're gonna go, man, I wish I could do that one again. Pro, just, here's what I'm saying, you can't keep from that doing it, but process through it quickly because the enemy would like to say, because that's what you did, that's what you will do. Because you failed there, you didn't just fail, you're, you're a failure. And uh, he, again, as we've talked before, he hands us photographs of our worst moment as if that's the final word. That's not something you've done, that is you. And when we rehearse those things over our shoulder and we see our kids possibly suffering uh, from something we did or didn't do for them. In fact, let me encourage you in this. Uh, there isn't one mom or one dad who's going to give their child everything they need to succeed in their life. Not one. And listen, and it's on purpose. It's on purpose. God didn't give you everything so that you could you know, fully bubble wrap your child, give them everything they need because you know why? They're gonna learn how to reach toward God, right. not as much by what you gave them, but by what you didn't give them. Right. You know, anybody can reach 18, 19, 20, and, and uh, you know, go and, and say, because my mother or father did or didn't, did or didn't, did or didn't. You can reach 30, 40, 50, 60, or 70. And some of you have been raised in horrible situations. Your parents were very delinquent. And so I'm not minimizing the pain, but I do have to confront and challenge how you interpret it and what it means to you. When you were six, seven, and eight, they were responsible. But when you're 30, 40, and 50, you're responsible for that pain. You, you, you don't have to stay there. You're no longer under what, whatever they didn't give you. In fact, the things that I preach are not the things so much my parents gave me, but the things I had to go dig out for myself. And what make you strong. And so please know, your job really isn't to get them to the finish line and have them completely bubble wrapped and perfect and you know, drop the microphone. They're gonna be about half-baked and they're gonna have to figure out how they work out their salvation and it can get ugly. I mean, you know, some of you know that. You can raise your kids in the church and then it can get all weird, you know, 17, 18, 16, 15, 11. I mean, just pick your number there. But, at, you know, they can get all weird on you. And you can start thinking all the, what have I done wrong? And why didn't we get this right? And I thought, we did this. And the truth is, you got some things right and wrong. And so what? They got to work this out. And it can be painful to have to step back and go, man, you can keep blaming me. And you could be right. But still, you're responsible before God. So, you, you know, and all young people, you gotta, ultimately, you gotta step up and say, look, this is mine, this is my life. Okay, enough said. Y'all tracking with me there? So, uh, there's some moms that are going, yes. Paul says, I, I, I'm not perfect, and so let me talk about that, uh, this, this uh, cultural thing of perfectionism. And again, it's, it's loud. It's the Kardashian of our culture. It's all of these, this, this, by the way, what do those people do? I, I have not figured out, what do y'all do for work? Your dads and your moms were successful. Y'all just be famous for a living? What, what do y'all do? Anyway, I, I can't figure that whole, the Kardashian thing is a conundrum to me. Like, there's lots of pretty girls, prettier than y'all. My wife's make all of y'all look ugly. What, what? What's the deal? So, uh, Anyway, this whole perfectionism thing that's, that's floating in the air, 
uh, I want to just, I'll just shoot straight, straight for it. I realize there's a sense that I've, I've got to be perfect, uh, but you, you, hear me. Perfect is not achievable, one, and it isn't a standard by which God measures anything. He is not measuring you by the standard of perfection. Jesus came and lived perfectly, and his perfection stands on your behalf. Right now, so where am I going with this? There is a false cultural thing that perfection as, as mother, as woman, is, is to be achieved, and because that is a standard, okay, that's a standard, and you can never reach it. So anytime you measure against a standard you can't possibly do, what's the only outcome but I'm failing, I'm coming up short. And the issue isn't that you're coming up short. The issue is the standard isn't legitimate. It's an illegitimate standard. It isn't authorized by God, okay? There are no perfect parents. I mean, there's not a human you know that hadn't said a thousand times, well, I'm not perfect. Of course, and none of us are perfect, but the point is that we're not supposed to be perfect. Perfectionism creates something in our hearts and in our lives, and hear me, it is a demonic construct of thoughts and ideas to keep you chasing something you can never catch so that the thing that God has put in you and your child never gets brought to the surface. See, here's the thing. When you're trying to chase perfection, and so some of you in your homes, some of you as adults were raised in homes where your parents bought that lie. And so, because you can't achieve it, the only other answer is you fake it. Right. Right? If you can't achieve something, but you think everybody else is doing it, your, your only other option is you fake it. And you call little Junior to start faking it. Here's the thing, when you go to church and your mother said, you act holy, you look holy, you want your, is it already that time? <sighs> okay, <laughs> I'll, I'll hurry. So, so let me just walk you through this, because it's important that you get this. The whole perfectionist thing, it puts a pressure in the house that distracts you from being who God's called you to be authentically and who he's called your child to be. Your child is beautifully and wonderfully made. And your job is not to make him look like the two or three acceptable little images that you find on Pinterest or that's at your little church. I mean, we can do this in church. We can bring our kids to church and say, you act right and you act like you're holy and you act like your, your father and I get along even though I wanna punch him in the nose and all that. You, you just act like that. When you set perfection as a standard, then people spend their life and their energies faking something because you can't achieve it. And what do you create? Fakes. You can't be perfect, but you can be real. I wanna give you a standard. You know what your standard is? Be real. Be real. Uh, one of the greatest conversations I had was with some of our senior moms. And I said, what would be your advice to, to young moms? And immediately, one of them said, look, when you blow it with your children, tell them you blew it. Tell them you blew it. When you freak out because the bills are high and you know your husband is, and by the way, if it's between taking your, your anger out on your children or your husband, pick the children every time. I mean, <laughs> seriously. They're resilient, and we'll pay for their counseling, but pick the children every time. 
No, and you freak out on your children because you've had a long day and they were just the infamous last straw, but you got bills and you got this and you got, you got pressures and there's not any man or woman who hadn't done this to your kids where they just are the infamous last straw and boom, you blow up on them and then you feel guilty. And she was just saying, just, just be real, Tur turn back around and uh, let them know, you know what, that, that, that wasn't your fault. M Mom freaked out on you or whatever, uh, but w w I'm not trying to make you make me look good. I'm gonna take that pressure off you because in our home, we're not gonna buy into the demonic imposition of perfectionism and live our life trying to fake something we can't be. God has placed something genuinely in your child and there is a, 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 a demonic assault on our children to get them to bury what God has created them to do and achieve and burn all of their energy trying to look like something just so somebody on Facebook can push a like. And that's, I mean, that's all you get out of that life. A few likes, click, 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 click. Gang, the, the, the gravity of this, this is no small thing. When perfectionism is in the air, and it's been in the air for quite some time now, the cultural uh, approach to our lives, we, 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 we don't realize we're doing it but we're all working so hard to perform, to perform as opposed to an interaction relationally with other humans. Life is not about performing to get the applause of whatever is in here that tells us what's approved of. That is a waste of a life and Satan wants to embondage and entangle all of our, our children into performing a life that's not really theirs so that they advocate the real call of the genuine authenticity that is in them, that is God. Okay, so a couple of weapons, ladies, and I'm, I'm moving quick. We'll get this done. You got a couple of weapons uh, that God has divinely given you. They're divinely given. Every mother has this. One is courage. I'm not talking about courage you gotta work up. I'm talking God has put something weird in a mother, and you can get on Google and read all kinds of accounts. I read of a mother who was 55 years old who lifted a Chevy Malibu off of her son that fell on him, lifted it up until the neighbors could come and get a jack back under it and knocked him unconscious. She lifted that. I read accounts of mothers who took on bears and cougars for their children, right, who took five bullets because of an attack on their children and survived. A woman who gave her life on a mattress because, with her children buried under it when a tornado came, her children survived. She gave her life for it. I'm talking courage like courage, courage. And she wasn't sitting there thinking of it and she didn't read a book to get that courage. God has put that in you moms and it's, it's just weird, powerful, and strong. And when you recognize an attack, be it a cougar, a bear, or a Chevy Malibu, or the devil, it raises something in you. The, I don't, when I say crazy mom, I mean this one in a good way. I mean, it, it raises, oh no, we ain't playing that. And there is a demonic assault on our kids right now, just like in the days of Moses, when they were throwing babies in the Nile River, it was because Satan realized, I gotta kill some babies because something's going on. I don't know what's going on, but something's going on. And the one that got away did him in. Again, Somehow Satan knew when Jesus was being born. He didn't know what was happening, but he knew something is up. I got to kill babies. I got I to attack the kids. And again, hundreds of babies killed, 
trying to get rid of Jesus. That wasn't just stupid Herod. That was a demonic assault to try to keep the Savior of the world. And one more time, the one that got away did him in. Well, back in the, the, the 60s, you felt the assault again. You might not feel like we're in the last days, but the devil knows something is up. And twice he's tried to, to put a stop to something God's doing in important times, and the one that got away did him in. And both times it was parents. It was Moses' mama who put him in a boat and said, oh, I ain't playing this. And it was the parents of Jesus that took him and rescued him. Wow. Uh, sure what that was. That's considered angelic. So in the moment that we're standing in right now in the 60s, uh, the Roe versus Wade, you, you guys know the rest of that story. Millions and millions and millions of babies have been killed before they had an opportunity. And there's a demonic onslaught over the generations that are underneath us. Why? Because Satan knows that twice the ones that got away are the ones that did him in. The ones that got saved became the rescuers. And in this generation that's underneath us, they are, they, the spirit of the rescuers are, are upon them. The enemy knows it. And I'll tell you, when mamas realize, oh, wait a minute, this is a demonic attack on my kid, mama don't play. Courage, prayer courage, faith courage, discipline courage. The last thing that you have in you, and I'll, I'll close this, God has put within you, you can't help it, instinct, instinct. This scares us men and it scares children. My mom used to say it this way, I know in my knower. And you women, here's the thing, because you have instinct, you can also fake it. My mom used to say this, I, well, I know in my knower. And I would be wondering, which one do you know? You know, because she was trying to, she was trying to smoke something out and I wasn't gonna, I wasn't gonna give in to it. But she kept that pressure in the air. And some of y'all are raised with Pentecostal mamas that were like, the Holy Spirit just tells me things. And it's like, like what? Which night? I was in the fifth grade, and, uh, and the, uh, the band people from the sixth grade, band guys came over and gave the test to all the fifth graders. Some of you may have been in a situation like this. Give you an ear test and how you did, and, and uh, I did you know, well, good, good on it. But here's the deal. Going into the sixth grade, band was one of the options, but I was an athlete. I'm gonna play quarterback for the Cowboys. It's settled, and my mom knew that. I played baseball, basketball, football, track. I, I was an athlete, and athletes in, the t in my hometown weren't in the band. It was the band. I mean, you're not in the band. My mom said, she was never harsh with me like this, but on this one, she said, I think you need to be in the band. I was like, oh, mom, I'm gonna be the quarterback. You know, I'm gonna be the quarterback of the Cowboys. I wanna play in the first half and the second half. I don't wanna be there at halftime. I don't want to be in the band. And uh, man, she, she browbeat me and said, you just need to try it. You just, my mom's only 90 pounds. She did break her arm on me whipping me one time. That's not the joke. She was tough. But she said, no, you're going to try it. I want you to try it. And she stayed on me and stayed on me. So I signed up for the band. It was just, and I cried the night before the first day of school because I thought, man, my friends are going to crucify me. This is awful. Plus, I'm going to the sixth grade. I don't even know who I am. I'm like, oh, freaky, and my voice is jumping. And uh, I show him, here's what my mom said. You just try it, and if you don't like it, here's what I'm telling you. She had an instinct. If you don't like it, I'll go up there and move heaven and earth, and I'll get you out of that. I knew she would. I go the first day, kind of liked it. 
I had an aptitude for it. Uh, I also realized that the cutest girls in our school were in the woodwind section. It's like, wait a minute. You know, when you're an athlete in the band, you can outrun most of those guys. It's like, hey, I got a good chance in this setting. You know what, I stayed at it. Learned to read music, went to college on a, a bass guitar scholarship, actually. The other morning, I came in here and I thanked God because I sat down at the piano and I was able to worship for an hour by myself in, in, in ways that I, I get to express something. And you know why? Is because my mom had an instinct for something I certainly couldn't see in the fifth grade, right? She, she knew. That is a God thing. And you have that with your children. You know things you don't know why you know them. You just do. God put that there. You've got tremendous weapons. We are at war. You're at war for your kids. That doesn't scare you. That causes mamas. They rise up. And I want, I want to stir that today. Rise up. There's an attack on our kids. You've got to pay attention. I hope, you, hope you've gotten something out of this. I want to say something to all of our moms. I know we've got some moms here that... Uh, your children aren't here, and uh, way too early you lost your children, and I want you to know we are mourning with you. I can't imagine what this day is like to, to just get through, and I would, I would think that you're just trying to survive it, and I don't know, but I, I can tell you, my sympathies and empathy just go out to you. I can't imagine it. can't imagine it, and our prayers go out for you. Some of you have kids, they're not lost to death, but they're not, they're not walking the way that you had hoped or envisioned, and it's a, it's a deep and, and desperate pain for you. I want you to know, praying for you, he who began a good work in your children, they may not be faithful. You might lose faith, but he will be faithful. He's gonna put that in the end zone for you. So you just, he will be faithful to what the seeds that are planted. So you, you just keep standing, you keep being mama. But we reckon with the brokenheartedness that comes with that. Can we all stand to our feet like uh, prayer teams to come to the front? Those of you that are in the room that you, uh, your mom has, has preceded you, nonetheless, this day's got uh, some pain in it for you as well. Just wanna reckon with the, with the moment that we're standing in and uh, just speak and pray over all of you. Father, today, first of all, thank you so much for motherhood. Thank you that this is, a, a, of all things, powerful and loud about our Creator this reflects the image of our God in such a loud, and it's so consistent. It's weirdly consistent. The, the love of a mother, the courage of a mother, that protective nature, that go to the mat for our child thing. Lord, I speak over our moms. I thank you, Lord God, that our young people are getting shaped a whole lot by really the, the victories and the attacks on our moms. And so I speak victory over moms right now. I thank you that the spirit of the living God is upon you. He has anointed you for this, and God trusts you. God trusts you to raise that child. He trusts you because he's put in you what you need. Trust it. Trust God. Lord, I bless moms. I bless motherhood. And I ask you, God, today just to stir a sense of, uh, Lord, all the things that, that could be rehearsed of what we feel we're doing wrong. I thank you, God, today that moms would feel like, man, I've got a job to do and I'm gonna get the job done within the sphere of my influence right now, the calling on me and my child 
we will not go to see death until the, 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 the vision of God for us is accomplished. And I just speak success over moms today. Lord, bless moms. Yes. Let them feel, I pray that they would be smiling today, that they would feel victory today, that the warrior within mamas would rise up and the fight would rise up in a victorious way, Lord. Thank you for the precious godly moms that are in this room. Lord, we just speak over them now, blessing in Jesus' name. Praise God. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon. Find more of our podcasts on iTunes or in our audio library at thecrossing.cc.